This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers on Tap a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are Trey Lasley and TJ Willis. Join the guys as they talk all things Memphis Tigers and their favorite beer. Turn your volume up, grab your favorite brew, and enjoy the conversation. Now, let's get to the show. What is up, what is up, what is up? It's Trey Back with the man that was once referred to as a stallion in a Sherpa vest, TJ. What's up, my man? Yo, what is good? What is good? It feels good to be here after a win. Two in a Doesn't row. It? Two week, two weeks in a row, little winning streak here. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. How about Simmons Bank 12th man on Saturday night? I, I think we've seen two different sources state that not only was it louder than Ohio State, what was the second quote he said? I don't even remember off the top of my head. You talking about the guy, uh, the tweets that we saw from that A-State guy? Yeah, from the A-State play-by-play guy. Yeah, he said, uh, all caps, loudness warning, headphone users beware. Talking about how loud it got. Um, and said something like, if it got that loud every Saturday, it would be a special place to watch college football. And then said... It was louder than Ohio State a week ago. However, I don't know that Ohio State really had uh, any reason to get as loud as we were getting, but uh, still pretty cool. I mean, I, f- I feel like there were more than 32, 620 there, but uh, shout out to those of you guys that were there. Ladies and gents out there uh, repping the 901 on 901 day and helping the Tigs pull that one out. Can we just talk All about right, TJ. those final plays, how wild that was? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll jump into it first. We gotta, You got to tell oh, us yeah. what we're drinking tonight. Got to kick us off. Yeah, man. We are going with High Cotton Brewing, River King IPA. Love, love the name there, River King. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but uh, definitely a cool can. Yeah, this is, uh, I didn't, I'm going to have to be honest, it's kind of a, you got to kind of roll it, because the one side is, it's fine, but then I flipped it and I saw what I'm assuming you're referring to here, definitely a cool can, but uh, we'll jump in, River King IPA, it is 6.2%, our friends down at High Cotton, shout out. Wow, it's a strong. That was a strong first go there. I'm gonna let you know my laptop is covered in beer, so we're just gonna roll with it. That's how we do it here on Tigers on Tap, covered in beer. 
All right, TJ, we've talked about it a little bit, but initial thoughts from Saturday. Um, we were talking about the crowd. Uh, what else What else stood out to you? Anything in particular? Uh, definitely the crowd. I think that, I mean, I, I kind of expect about 35,000. I think came back a little short of uh, 35 to be there. But uh, just the atmosphere, you know, it's nice to be back at home given the uh, the awkward start of the year of the away games. But um, crowd, definitely the first thing. I had no issues with the ticket scanning. I know you didn't have any issues because we were side by side. We did see some weird things with uh, people trying to scan their parking pass. That was kind of funny. But uh, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, crowd definitely inside. Like I said, it felt to me like more than 32 a uh, thousand in there. I guess maybe some of what they've done in there with the uh, the VIP seating decks and that kind of thing maybe pushes some people down so it feels a little bit full, fuller than it, uh, I guess, technically is. But um, I thought it was a good atmosphere, like you said. Yeah, the, the ticketing thing, I mean, unfortunate that uh, people were having some issues, but hopefully it gets figured out. You know, here coming in this next week, people got their tickets downloaded. They're not scanning their parking passes and stuff. So, uh, but like you said, you and I downloaded, got right in, scanned immediately. Uh, we were in our seats like 10 minutes before kick. We walked over there about 15 minutes before kick, got in in five minutes, and we're down in our seats ready to rock and roll. So, um, I don't think you guys are overall, the audience that we should say this to, but download your tickets to. Your, your app or to your your wallet, your digital wallet. Your wallet. Yeah. yeah, so Apple Pay or Google Pay, whatever you have, it makes a world of a difference. I don't even know why people downloaded that Memphis app. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust a, uh, a different third-party app. I would just straight to the wallet and uh, just hold it up to that scanner and get yourself in there. Um, yeah, overall, move to two and one. Um you know those Arkansas. I gotta say right off the bat, I I don't I don't think I gave uh, Arkansas State. They're a, a much improved team from last year. I would say. Um, you know what were they two and ten last year? I think yeah. they could be like a, a five six win team this year. They, you know, we talked about it a little bit that they've they had a pretty big roster makeover. Got a lot of P five transfers in, and um, you know they're a newer team coming together. Not necessarily. New as in young, but just new as a team and, and the pieces they've kind of put together there. But I would say definitely much more talented uh, than the the Red Wolf team that we faced last year. Oh, yeah, definitely more talented. I, I think that if you follow me on Twitter, you've already probably seen what I'm about to talk about. But I took a snapshot of uh, one of the running plays. Likes heads the ball. He's in the middle of snapping the ball between his legs and Kevon Bennett is already across the line of scrimmage. Like the ball hasn't even made it through likes legs and Bennett is already across the line of scrimmage. So probably one of the, that was a, that was a once in a life. He just perfect timing once in a lifetime. I also, the still image you sent, it's a little grainy. I don't know what, what kind of device you were watching that on, but uh questionable could have been an offsides call for sure. Definitely. I, I think that's, Perfectly fair, but uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely talented, a lot more talented, right? I mean, we didn't really get to see it with Champ Flemings. That's the one they kind of raved about for the longest time ever, and uh, we did not get had by the uh, 
five seven, five six receiver Champ Flemings. So we didn't, and I wonder how much. I mean, honestly, I don't feel like they really even tried to get him the ball that much. I think early in the game they did do a little dump off where he was doing a drag across the middle of the field, and he picked up the first down and kind of towards the end of it, getting to close to the sideline, it looked like he started kind of going a little lighter on his right leg, like he might have. I don't know, tweaked a hammy or something, but he played the rest of the game, so I don't I don't know that that really impacted anything. Um, but, Tej, I got to give you your props, my man. You said uh, the big uh, tight end, Troy, right? Yeah. You told us to watch out for him, and he had a heck of a game. Uh, obviously, on their very first drive, two huge catches across the middle, uh, both on third down. They were both third and longs conversions, mm-hmm. and – the second one going for what? It was a 41-yard touchdown pass, I think, or 51-yard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you called that. You called it. Anytime there is a big receiver like that, a big uh, tight end slash receiver, hybrid, whatever you want to call him. The guy's 6'5", 220. He's not really a tight end. But it's just the mismatch that the Tigers cannot compete with. I mean, the situation there is if Quindell kind of covers him, Right, you try to eliminate that one mismatch with putting Quindell on him. Well, now everyone's manned up, and you kind of put yourself in just the potential of mismatch with man man defense. So it just uh, maybe I got lucky. Who knows? We'll see how it goes this week. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I think I think UNT's got a uh, a similar sized uh, tight end. <laughs> we might need to keep an eye out on. I don't know how good. Uh, Austin and New is at uh, throwing the ball these days, but uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, all right. In typical fashion with a win, TJ, let's do our uh, good, bad, and beautiful. I'll kick off with uh, with goods. Actually, we'll get to kick. Speaking of kickoffs, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, good for me. I'm going I'm going tight end Caden Priestcorn. Uh, two touchdown catches. The the I mean the first half a heck of a heck of a first half there were two touchdown catches from Caden, then the uh, the pancake block on the edge there to free up the uh, corner of the end zone for Seth to get there on that that keeper read, um, you know we've kind of we've talked about it a little bit I think Caden even mentioned it himself but uh, definitely a good block that he laid there for somebody who uh, only recently started started blocking live action I'd say. Yeah, definitely. With uh, with my good, I also I kind of went Caden slash the wide receivers all in general, right? I just kind of kept lumped in one who caught the ball. Um, three guys north of fifty yards. They caught nineteen of twenty seven targets, so about a seventy percent catch rate. Uh, Gabe Rogers stood out. Um, you know, he's kind of coming to his own after just being seen as that return specialist. He caught. Uh, what was it? Five targets, five catches, 86 yards. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent catch rate can't complain there. Uh, I can reiterate what you said about Caden. He's been, you know, he's been someone that the staff actually really praised heavily, uh, kind of coming through the, uh, the preseason and, and all through the spring. And I'm not going to lie. He kind of came out looking like booty cheeks versus state. I mean, he had at least the, the two drops, he started missing blocks. He just he wasn't as advertised, I guess is how I should word that. And he's definitely turned it around. You can see that he's first game first game jitters. Yeah. For sure. And we can we can write it off. I don't think that's a big deal. 
Um, he just seems like he's still learning the position in general, right? Still struggling with blocking from time to time. Um, he's, this is honestly what it is to me when I watch him. He looks like he thinks he is still a 215-pound quarterback as opposed to a 255-pound tight end that is kind of uh, sent out there to, to kind of slam his body around. So he, just, also, he, did, he doesn't look like he, he doesn't realize that he's so much bigger than he used to be. Yeah. Well, two, he's got to, uh, he's got to understand Caden. If you're listening, we know that you are, you've got dad strength now, my guy, you know, that dad's, we know all about that dad strength out there at the GAC. Caden, you got that dad strength. Not a lot of, not a lot of dads out there on the gridiron at the collegiate level. So, uh, use that to your advantage, my guy. Yeah. Great game from Caden. Five catches, 69 yards, two tutties. Uh, but yeah, just to touch on the wide receivers, I mean, he had seven different guys catch the ball, uh, 360 yards through the air, three touchdowns, second week in a row, TJ, not a drop, seven guys catching it, no drops. You love I to think see it. Hopefully, hopefully that week one, we, we used up all of our drops for the season, just got them out of the way. You know what I mean? While we're, uh, talking about the wide receivers, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Joe Skates and that uh, that fifty-five yard or fifty-one yard touchdown catch. First play that was the first play of the fourth quarter, very early fourth quarter. Very, yeah, it was early. But uh, we kind of gave him a, a little bit of uh, some heartache over his effort in Week One. <laughs> Thought that ball was maybe catchable if he'd. Uh, he dove or something, but no lack of effort from Joseph Skates on that tutty there. I mean, he what got hit at like the the twelve or ten yard line, spun through, did what I don't know what he did on that that sideline to stay in bounds and break free, but uh, a hell of an effort to get in the end zone there. Yeah, super bullish of him once he got down there. I think he kind of got pulled into. If you go back and watch that, I think it was uh, Eddie Lewis is kind of pulling on him to pull him in the end zone. Yeah, and if, I think BT got down there too and uh, kind of knocked somebody off of him to help out. But uh, just a heck of a play, you know, yeah. big big play, another big touchdown play. Um, I was looking at it earlier. I think big play-wise, especially passing, we've had 12 uh, big plays. That's over 25 yards through the air passing plays. So um, I know it was a bit of a concern last year. And what uh, you know, people were talking about the the offense not being explosive. I feel like that explosiveness is back. Definitely. Right? I mean, especially at least from the the wide receiver room, you've got several guys we've seen that have, you know, can beat you deep, or even, you know, Gabe's early catch, which was just sort of kind of, you know, an extended run, if you will, just threw it to him straight at the line of scrimmage, and he took it for fifty yards down the field with with his speed. So. Um, I at least feel like some of that explosiveness on the offensive side is back for sure for the for the Tigers. Still kind of, I know we've talked, we've had some big runs here and there, at least one a game, but uh, doesn't feel as explosive from the running back room. So hopefully we'll get there. But um, passing wise, and like you said, wide receiver group, at least these last two weeks have been uh, been pretty pretty happy with. All right, anything else good that uh, stuck out to you before we move on into the bad? 
No, son. Let's go ahead and jump to the bad, I guess. All right, I'll let you uh, lead us off with bad. I was going to say kickoff, but uh, I don't even really want to talk about kickoffs. Well, that's unfortunate because I'm going to talk about the kickoffs. It's just keep that in kickoff and bounds. Like, how hard is it? I mean, I don't want to call out his name, but you kind of have one job and it's to kick it in bounds, right? You know, and it's only a 15 yard penalty, but it just, it puts your already shaky defense in just like the worst possible spot. Like it's basically, you know, two or three small plays and guess what? They're already on the other side of the 50. Yeah. Well, and it's not just, we talked about it last week because I think what we kicked two out of bounds last week at Navy and obviously, you know, Navy wasn't able to do anything with that. But I mean, Saturday, it wasn't just kicking out of bounds. It was the time and the point in which he did it. Right. There was like a minute and a half left before half. We had just scored and you kick it out of bounds and give Arkansas State incredible field position. I mean, think heavens that butch jones is a terrible game manager and absolutely i don't know what he was doing or thinking but two timeouts had the ball <laughs> great field position and i mean doesn't try to do anything with at it. all at literally at all i mean they were almost in hashtag chew clock mode um so thankfully it didn't end up costing us saturday it very well could have but moving forward i don't i mean you know, you get into a, a game with Houston on, you know, a couple weeks from now or at SMU later in the year, and I don't think that they're going to sit on two timeouts with a minute and a half left in that starting field position. So, you, yeah, you got to – surely there is somebody in the city that can just kick the ball out of the damn back of the end zone. we got to figure it out. Because not only, not only kicking out of bounds, and I don't know that this was a coaching decision or if this was even intentional – but after we score to go up uh, five late in the game, and the the pooch, what kick, the I mean, hell was that? I don't. Again, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was a decision that was made. But they returned it to like the forty yard line. I don't know. So yeah, I'm with you. Kickoffs. We better figure it out. Just find somebody that can kick it to the end zone. Um. I don't think that was planned. I think it was just something went wrong there, right? Just a miss, a miss hit. Hopefully, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it, it is. It was your starting kickoff specialist had been benched at that point, so maybe it was just like a missed hit, which is unfortunate. But uh, you can't be kicking the ball out of bounds. All right, bad for me. Uh. There's a couple things I feel like I could say, several that we've already said in previous games, but they keep coming up. I mean, third downs again. We already talked about it a little bit, but that very first A-State drive, they had two long third down conversions. I think they were like mm-hmm. third and nine and third and eight or something. And one that one was for a touchdown, yeah. Yeah, straight. I mean, nothing crazy either, just a simple straight across the middle of the field, like... Um, I mean, they ended up being, I think seven of 14. So like 50%. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you just gotta, you gotta be better on, on third downs. You got to get off the field. If you want like a silver lining on that, if you go back and look at all of the, um, the third down conversions, 
a bulk of them happened in the first quarter, right? I think in the second. Oh yeah, they. I think the they second, started the fourth. They were five of their first six, I think. So yeah, here yeah, it dwindled. The first down. one was was third and nine to your boy Troy. Is that how you say his name? Treyor probably. Treyor, twenty four yards across the middle. Maybe a minute later, third and six from the 49, 51-yard touchdown to Treyor across the middle again. Um. So, yeah, it just, I, again, yeah, I think. Then they had a couple third and ones they got, and then a third and seven. So they started out like five of six, but uh, I said I think they finished. They were 50%, yeah, yeah so they were seven of 14. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you just gotta find ways to get off the field, especially in those longer situations. So mm-hmm. frustrating. Um, and then second, dude, I'm, I'm going to throw a second one out there. The tackling again, I felt like we tackled so much better at Navy after that, that poor week at effort at uh, state. And then it was almost back again this week. Um, I mean, Ryan even called it out in his availability, like the tackling is just not where it needs to be. There were several times, I mean, I think Tyler, you know, he's done well. I've kind of expected a little more, but there was a drive in the, I think it was the first half. Yeah, it was first half. uh, Where he had on one drive, like three or four missed tackles alone. There was one, you and I were right there. He popped the running back in the backfield. Yeah. And they just bounced off each other, and then it, it, you know, instead of it being a one or two yard loss, it ended up being like a, I think, a eight nine yard gain. Um, and there, it's not, it wasn't, you know, not to call out Tyler, not him solo. I mean, there was Quindell had one where he could have had a, a tackle for a loss and dove at ankles and missed. Like, there were just several instances where, you know, there's a there was one also in the first quarter where we had Blackman sacked on a third and six, in the red zone. And didn't wrap him up. He kind of finagled his way out and flipped it to a you know somebody out in the flats who ends up getting a first down, and then they score a touchdown out of it. So, you know, Ryan was saying that they, he's talked to to Barnes, and they're trying to figure out what it is they need to do if it's more live reps during the week. You know, during the season they try not to go so live because you're trying to you know yeah, preserve, prevent injuries yeah. and stuff. But at this point, I think you're gonna you got to spend some time doing it. It's just you got to get the fundamentals down and people got to be making tackles when you're getting to the ball carry, you got to bring them down. Yeah. It, it is a consistent issue and I, and it's wild. It, it's to your point. It, it seems like um, it happens at like the most inopportune moment. You know, you'll have somebody in the backfield, a third, we'll just make up a stat third and eight, you get them in the backfield and they just sling you off. You miss the tackle. Then all of a sudden it's a fresh set of downs and they're just preserving these drives. And it's the little stuff like that. Just keeping our defense on the field and they're pretty much gassed at that point. And it's just, uh, it's growing old and eventually we're going to need somebody to step up and just make the play, you know, just make the play. That's all you got to do. Make a play. Um, all right. Anything else bad stick out to you that we didn't talk about? No, we, we agreed on our bads. Unfortunately, on to the beautiful. We've already mentioned it. My beautiful is all of you listening. The Simmons Bank 12th man for that incredible last drive A State had. Two false, forcing two false starts, then the bad snap. I mean, 100% that was all due to the crowd. 
It's a great work by the uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium crowd and all of you guys listening. Uh, that energy was top of the line, and it was the play of the game for me. Well, three plays, I guess, three snaps technically. Uh, so my beautiful is, is all of you listening to this that were at uh, Simmons Bank on Saturday. You have a much better beautiful than I do because I took the easy way out and I'm going to go with Seth. And I know that people have, uh, are starting to grow kind of weary on us just raving about Seth the entire time. But you know, the, the downfall of this whole metric is that the QB is always going to get the glory, right? I mean, he completed 19 of 28, 360 yards passing or yeah, 360 yards, three passing one rushing touchdown I mean, he's just been great, right? I mean, he's in the top 10 in the nation in yards per game. His, his stats are almost identical to Stetson Bennett's from Georgia. So, like, in terms of expectations, the guy is checking all the boxes. I don't know what else he could do, um, you know, without being unrealistically perfect in a sense, right? I mean, there's a couple of sacks that he kind of uh, stepped into in previous games, and maybe he could uh, kind of find some wiggle and get his way out of there, but you know, he's, he's shown to be mobile when he needs to be, um, not in the way that like, he's not a, sorry, Seth, you're not a dual threat in that manner, but he is cognizant enough to know that, Hey, everything is shut down, but the defense is back 15 yards. Let me, let me run up and get eight and slide and just kind of take what I can get here. So, uh, for me, it's just been great. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about it. We expected Seth to take a a step up this year, coming into his sophomore year, and I think through three weeks, we've seen that uh, that progressing progressive uh, step that he's taken. I mean, he he looks the part, right? I mean, he looks like one of the probably to me. I would say, you know, I haven't watched a ton of SMU this year, but I'd say right now the best quarterback in the the conference. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, I know you're a big, a big Clayton Toon fan, but I told you that the Cougs were fraudulent. I mean, they should realistically be zero and three right now. You did say that. I think we got. I think we got the best QB in the conference, if not one of the best in the nation. He's just so he's so calm. He's steady. I know Silverfield called Eddie Lewis steady Eddie, but like steady Henny. I don't you think know? that makes not, sense. Not too. It doesn't have to. Not too high, not too low. Even killed, makes the right plays, makes the right decisions. Get the ball to his playmakers. Does everything you can ask of him. I mean, I would, me personally, I would have gone with Hetty Henny. It's a little more alliteration there, but I'm with you. Hetty Henny. I like it. Very cerebral. All, All right. right. Anything else uh, from the paint bucket bowl? No. Did that, feel just, like a, did that feel like a rivalry game to you? I, I said before the podcast, I thought it was a rivalry. It's a local team, you know, easy to drive there, for easy for them to come here. It's, um, they're respectable. You know, it's not like you're playing just a trash program by any means. I don't care that they were 2-10 and 10 last year. That game was fun. Um, this year, they're much more improved. They seem to be a pretty good team. Uh, Butch Jones is a name. I'm not going to say he's a good coach necessarily. We haven't seen that yet, but uh, <laughs> Butch Jones. <laughs> what about? Um, I, I know you said it wasn't a rivalry. Do you still um, say it's not a rivalry now? 
I'll say it's a good it's a good little regional matchup. I still don't think it's a rivalry. Okay. It, it the game was fun. Obviously, the energy was there. The crowd was into it. Um, it's still just I don't. It's not like a. It's, I just I don't hate Arkansas State, and I feel like I gotta hate the team in a rivalry. You know, I hate Houston. I hate UCF. If SMU could beat us more, I'd probably hate them. So it was a good, it's a fun little regional game. It's easy to get there, easy to come here, but it's still just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a rivalry to me. Saturday was fun, but I just, it didn't feel like a rivalry. I know they always play as tough, but um, it's just not there for me yet. It's fair. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's uh, jump into Saturday. We got a 2.30, which the university, I don't know who over there at the athletic office, if you guys are listening, and we know that you probably are, it's not too late to change the game time to 6 p.m. We've got second summer coming in. We just had false fall. It's going to be 95 degrees or more on Saturday. So if you guys want to call it on the 2.30 and push that to 6, that would be appreciative. I'm just, TJ, You know, I think you know what game I'm about to reference here because you've got a video of me at the water. The one and only time I've ever and will ever <laughs> drink out of, well, I, it may happen Saturday, depending on how hot it is. But as of date, the only time I've ever drank out of the water fountains at the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, that was UCLA. UCLA. 2017 the hottest game ever uh, the hottest game to date we could top it saturday weather pending uh anyway 230 saturday simmons bank liberty stadium the line opened at 12 and a half surprising that felt a little bit low to me um i just don't think i think North Texas is far worse than Arkansas State is. Um, it's actually dropped some. It's currently 11 and a half. So it's gone down a little bit. 
I just I feel like this is a two a two touchdown game. Um, I kind of like that eleven and a half. Yeah, with um, the last game with Arkansas State, I think that started at thirteen, and I thought it was going to drop, maybe down to a ten. And you guys were like, "No, it's going to stay there." And it turns out ten probably should have been the better number. I said it felt like a ten point game. It ended up a twelve point game. That's fine. Ten covers, thirteen and fourteen don't. So this one, I think they got yeah, wrong. Yeah, my 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 dumb my dumb self actually. I teased it up to 16 and a half because I thought we were about to roll the Red Wolves. So, didn't feel, win that one. That's it feels okay. like they got we it backwards, the though. This is the one that it feels does. like it's too under. Yeah, this I feel like last week should have been the 11 and a half. This week should have been the 13, 14 and a half. But maybe the uh, what the what Vegas saw on Saturday, that they brought it down. Maybe this was a, probably originally going to be about a 14 and a half. I mean, I'd take this up to 21. We're pretty bad against the spread. So maybe that's what they're taking into account. Uh, The Mean Green out of Denton. A lot of people have been looking forward to this game as the Grant Gannell revenge game. But I don't. Are you anticipating seeing Grant at any point on Saturday? Uh yeah, it, there's probably a good chance. I mean, the the issue a is a good chance. Yeah, because Austin Ani is awful, literally awful. And, he, and Grant still can't get on the field. I think this he is played. It. They he gave played him the other chance. week and threw threw like four passes and had a pick. I'm gonna tell you this: two of the two of the top five worst interceptions I've ever seen <laughs> a quarterback throw in my entire life have both come from Grant Gannell. One. The spring game two years ago. Threw it straight down the center of the field. There wasn't a wide receiver within 35 yards of where he threw the ball. Now, maybe that wasn't all on him, but it was a horrible... I mean, it might as well... You might as well have just punted the ball on first down. That's what it basically ended up being. The second, and I don't know why the video staff did this to him, but they posted a highlight of Julian Barnett picking off Grant. And we were like, oh, dang, that's a sick interception. Come to find out, you see a different angle. And then again, there was not a receiver anywhere. It was, I don't know, maybe Grant's colorblind and saw Julian over there by himself and threw it to him. But two, I'm telling you, two of the worst interceptions ever thrown by a QB that I've seen at both being by Grant. I don't anticipate seeing him Saturday, but I know there's a lot of people asking questions about him. There's stories being written about him, but I don't anticipate grant seeing the field well i don't know unless i'll take that back when we're up 31 to 10 he may get a series or two well that's what i was saying like ani has been so bad that i expect him to throw two interceptions and at that point it's okay I, i take it back i don't think grant will get a meaningful any meaningful snaps no it's not what you said so we're good Oh, I know. I'm rephrasing. Not anything meaningful. He could get out there, but it's because we're gonna be they're gonna be cheeks, and the game's gonna be over. Yeah, he's just the quarterback play is terrible. There's you know thought behind this. Well, hey, it's the Grant coming, uh, Grant coming back. Austin Ani, I'm expecting to be bad. I I would be shocked if we don't have two interceptions at this point. Just it seems like throwing two interceptions is just kind of what Austin Ani does, right? 
Shout out to Asanani, though. My guy's out there playing college football at 29 years of age. I mean, that's basically one of us out there. A couple years older, but can you imagine being out there playing collegiate football at 29? Uh, no. He was a part of the... Uh... I mean, I know you've we've seen some kickers and stuff do it, but... <laughs> I mean, this is basically the Tom Brady of college football. Well, he's also had a he's, weird career. Like, he was a TCU guy, then a, I think yeah, a he committed Carolina to TCU. guy. I think, yeah, he was a three-star QB, signed with TCU, ended up getting drafted by the Yankees organization, and I think spent six years uh, in the minor league system, and then decided to to pursue football. So... Six years removed from high school before he uh, stepped on a college football field, but shout out to him. Took the Brandon Whedon approach. Living the dream. You think uh, Austin gets veteran rest days like Tom's getting? For sure. Wednesday's off? Yeah, got to let the bones settle. Yeah, you got to. What kind of classes do you think he's taking as a 29-year-old? I'm going to tell him fly fishing. Hey, I took fly fishing at the University of Memphis. Yeah, I canceled. Good I class. tried. Good class. All right. Let's jump into the game. What? Um, North Texas just got smacked by UNLV. Like they Which made- is weird. It was a weird it was a weird game. It was thirty to twenty seven with like seven minutes left in the third. So the first two and a half quarters were close. And then UNLV just throttled them the last quarter and a half. Yeah, they they may be worse at tackling than we are. I don't know if y'all um, went back and watched it. I mean, they just couldn't tackle. Everybody's bouncing off their running back. And he isn't yeah, really fast, I'm, so Ducker should be able yeah. to eat up, you know? I mean, I think that's the thing that sticks out, right, is UNLV rushed for 365 yards. 7.2 yards a rush. Um I mean, that's nearly as many rushing yards in one game that we've given up all season. Now, granted, you played Mississippi State, who obviously air raid, they're not running the ball a ton. But then you played Navy the next week, who primarily only runs the ball. So I think that kind of cancels out. Um, I think we've given up, what, like 400 yards rushing through three games. So 365 in one Mm -hmm. is quite a bit of rushing yards to give up. Um. So not a great day on Saturday for the Mean Green. I was actually uh, looking at some stuff earlier. It looks like some of the Mean Green faithful actually are putting Seth Littrell in the hot seat, which, TJ, you feel like it's a little early for that? I think it – is this his seventh year and he's taken him to to five bowl games in his first six years? No. If you're a Mean Green faithful, are you already putting Seth on the hot seat? No, he was on the hot seat a couple years ago already for me. I mean, I don't know what the expectations are at North Texas, but the moment you go from, you know, a nine a consecutive nine win team, nine win team, and then you're dropping down to four wins, four wins, there's no reason he should even come back for twenty twenty one other than like, hey, last year sucked because it was the COVID year, right? This year he should not have been back this year. I think that Seth has kind of been nothing since uh the oh, what's the offensive coordinator that was with them and then went to USC? He was a former Texas Tech quarterback. Mm. This is a terrible podcasting if I can't name it off the top of my head, but uh, 
Graham Harrell. He's been mm-hmm. trashed since Graham Harrell left. And you can follow that through. I mean, once the two nine-win seasons were gone, Graham Harrell left to take the USC job in 2019. And then since then, he's just been trash. So at this point, I, I can't credit Seth Luttrell for, for being good at anything other than winning four games and somehow going mm-hmm. 0 for 5 in bowl games. So you you've already fired old uh, Coach Latrell. Yeah, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know what the expectations are at North Texas. I mean, like, what what are you really trying to? Who are you trying to be? Right? You're in Conference USA for now, heading towards the American. I mean, what is their expectation in the American? Are they going to be the new USF? And Shout out to USF though. They should have won that game the other night. They should have won that game the other night. Mm, could have been a big one in the swamp. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. What? Yeah, I guess it does depend on what expectations are, but uh, yeah, like you said, going from consistent nine win down to four, it's not good, Bob. Not good at all. Um, all right. Well, the series currently Memphis leads sixteen to four. This will be our first matchup since the New Orleans Bowl in two thousand and three. Before that. Uh, the Mean Green visited Memphis in the Liberty Bowl in 1980. So it's been 42 years since uh, the Mean Green have traveled up to Memphis. Um, obviously, last meeting, the Tigers won in New Orleans in the New Orleans Bowl. Um, TJ, what uh, what's a matchup on the defensive side? What is the what does the Mean Green do well that we need to be watching out for? Uh, literally nothing. Is that an acceptable answer? They don't do anything well at all. Aren't they like 25th in the nation in rushing? Oh, you said on defense. I thought you meant their defense. No, no, no. Our defense. What is their, do they do anything well on offense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a really good running team. You know, they've, they've put up a lot of, uh, strong numbers on the ground. And it's kind of funny because, um, the head coach is a, is a Mike Leach guy. He came from Texas Tech. He worked with them there. I think he technically worked with the running backs, but he still comes from that air raid offense. And uh, it's just kind of funny that their strength is uh, is the running game. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one thing that they do well. It's um, I think they're fourth in the nation in, in rushing yard, total rushing yards this year. So, you know, if you've got a, a two back system over there, right? Yeah. It, and I guess. When I say this is what they do well, do you count points against one double A teams? Let's say against Depends. U- UTEP, they put up 163 on the ground. SMU, okay. they put up 202. That's pretty respectable. SMU is a decent defense. I mean, decent. Yeah, serviceable. Um, this last game versus UNLV, it was 169. But they put up 349 rushing yards, 348, excuse me, versus Texas Southern. And I think mm. it's inflating the numbers a bit, but I'm, I'm really just working off that 202 versus Southern Miss is kind of like a uh, a gauge point there. Because I think if you take So what are they? They're averaging, what, 220 on the ground a game? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. And if you take so out, if you take out that Texas Southern, it'll drop them to what? Probably like 180 a game, which is still good. Mm, that is still good, but it moves them from right now they would be 24th in the country in rushing yards a game. 
if you take out Texas Southern as an outlier, that would bring them all the way down to nearly 60th, which is still pretty good. I mean, you're still top half of the FBS, but uh, not nearly as potent as a top 25 rushing offense. Yeah, your feelings on the whole thing change, right? I mean, if yeah, if we're yeah. complaining about Memphis not being that great of a rushing team at you know 135 rushing yards per game, why all of a sudden are, are we praising North Texas for being you know 20 yards better? And 20 yards is obviously a big difference, but you get what I'm saying. Like you're playing nobody yeah. and you're running against nobody, but I do think that is something that they will do well. Um, I've said it a thousand times. Their quarterback sucks, so I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried about the passing game. Sure. So yeah, like we mentioned, uh, Adai, averaging almost seven yards a carry, Attaway five point two. So two guys we should should keep an eye on. You know, like you mentioned, a lot of that probably came against Texas Southern, but they had a decent ground ground day uh, against SMU. So they obviously are capable. Um, even though a large majority of that came against a uh, lower-tiered opponent. but So that's kind of – I had that initially before we kind of ran through it, but just our linebackers versus their running backs. Um, if there is anything they do well offensively, it would probably be running the ball. I could see this being something where uh, they come in and they're trying to pound it on the ground and maybe eat up some clock, limit possessions with the, you know with as strong as an offense as we've kind of had the last several weeks. Um try to keep the ball out of our hands, shorten the game up. So, you know, I, th- I think our linebackers, our front seven, are going to have to have a big game and uh, kind of slow down what rushing attack the Mean Green may have on Saturday. What, what about uh, what What about us defensively? What do you have us as a matchup-wise? I'm, I'm curious to see our secondary versus their wide receivers. And that is just because, again, I, I'm not – Austin Ani's not that guy – and this is a matchup that our secondary should not get toasted in. You know, we're not going against Will Rogers. This isn't state. You know, these aren't six two yeah. plus tight wide receivers, right? You know, they do have a big tight end. And I said I'm not scared of Asanani. I am scared of the tight end mm. just because, you know, I have a rule with big tight ends that create mismatch. And Jake Roberts is a guy that I think could create a mismatch. Same tight end position type of situation that we uh kind of worked with against Arkansas State. So um, it's not that I... Yes, 6'5", 240 or something. Yeah, like I, I'm not... It's not that I think the quarterback's just going to air it out. I think it's just the dink and dunk and then no one's watching the, the tight end situation. So, um, yeah. but I do think the tight end, or the, excuse me, the cornerbacks, the safeties, they should look pretty good. We should see some pass breakups. You know, maybe... Uh, I, I definitely think two interceptions is not out of the ask at all. TJ calling for who gets the two interceptions. I mean, at this point, Quindell seems almost automatic. Um, And I will say I've been impressed by Davion Ross lately. So I'm going to say Davion Ross. So I was, I was going to mention that. Do you think uh, I noticed on Saturday at times they were series wise, they were swapping out Davion Ross and Julian Barnett over there on the opposite side of Greg. You think we continue to see that? Yeah, it, you know, it's the same logic that we have on offense, right? You know, all, Silverfield talks about, you know, we have six wide receivers that so we can rotate in. We'll always have fresh legs and things like that. I think it's the same thing with cornerbacks. You know, I, I kind of got 
some criticism, I think, earlier towards the year when I said that this is one of the deeper secondaries I think we've had. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can roll in, you know, Greg Rubin's going to start, but you can rotate in Davion Ross. You can roll in Cam Smith. You can roll in um, Julian Barnett. You know, it, it just really depends on the matchup and who you're playing. Ladarian Polk, another guy. Um just kind of what you're looking for in terms of match. Like Greg Rubin was playing the slot all last game. That's not something he normally does, right? He's normally a boundary guy. So to see him move inside, just to compare on the matchup and kind of rotate um, Julian Barnett, who who is a taller corner. I think he's like, I think they say he's like six, one, six, two for some of those taller matchups. Same with Cam Smith, kind of a taller corner there. Um, I, I just, that's kind of where I'm coming from. You have that flexibility of working in some other guys and just having the fresh legs and feeling comfortable that they will be able to be out there and make a play. Yeah, I don't. I'll, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that we'll see a uh, series for series swap like we were seeing. I was going back and watching some of uh, the the Arkansas State game, and there were several series that Barnett was in where he was he was kind of consistently getting beat by your uh, your boy Troy. Triori, whatever. Triori. Um, so it just kind of worries me. He, Like you mentioned, he has a bigger bodied DB, but when they lined him up on a bigger bodied wide receiver, he, or tight end, whatever you want to call um, that matchup, like he just wasn't effective, to be honest. So yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Davion Ross get a majority of the snaps on, on Saturday and l- less of that kind of rotational. Series for series switch. Sure. Um, What's your you matchup? Mentioned Ruben, you mentioned Ruben uh, in the slot. How much of, of Ruben Island do you think played an impact to uh, old Fleming's not having a good game? I know, I know you pointed out that he kind of pulled up with the hammy. You cannot convince me that man was not just locked down on Ruben Island. Like he, they a, did, they did take no the show. one deep shot. They did take the one deep shot on the seam down the middle. And Ruben was there step for step, made a perfect play on the ball. Yeah, I think that Ruben was just a perfect matchup. You know, that that what happened with State is everyone was just so much bigger, right? And I mean that like six two plus. Like I know they have some shorter guys, but the bulk of them, six two, six five, they they just physically outmatch us. And then once you start to get in these matchups where, you know, you're physically you're playing the guys that are the same size as you. I'm not worried about that. And it's not that I think we're going to get burnt deep because Champ Fleming's was supposed to burn us deep. I mean, he did that versus Ohio State. And that's just not the issue we had. So I, I think once we start playing North Texas, Temple, some of these smaller ones, you know, not until we get to SMU do I think we have a size mismatch with a lot of these teams. So I think we, we should start to see some of these numbers kind of pan out for us. All right. Um so on to our offensive side, what's a matchup that we need to look out for that you're you're looking forward to on Saturday? Ooh. I'm still trying to narrow it down, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and do yours, and that way I can narrow mine down to make sure we don't say the same thing. All right. I'm going our offensive line versus our defensive line. Um, you know, we said over one fifty last week. Obviously you struggled for probably the first half of the game running the ball. Picked up in the second half. I mean, Silverfoot alluded to it. Some of that early stuff is body shots you're taking. You want you want those early blows, kind of wear a defense down, and then it opens up the, the rushing attack later in the game. We did see a little bit of that, but um, I mean, North Texas gives up 500 yards of offense. 
They gave up 365 yards rushing last week. If there was ever a game for our rushing attack to take a step forward, I think it's Saturday. So I think this is an opportunity. Their defensive line doesn't appear to be very good. Yeah. Not a lot of sacks, not a lot of TFLs. You know, this seems like an opportunity for the line to work out some kinks. You could build a little bit of, you know, momentum, a little bit of uh, continuity with each other, understanding, and then open up some holes for the running backs. And hopefully, I'd like to see us eclipse the two hundo mark. And you know what else I'd like to see? We saw a little bit. We got a little sprinkle of it on Saturday. There's a little SS, a little Sutton Smith out there. Yeah. You got three three carries for 21 yards, seven yards a carry. If he can do that every week, what are we holding my man back for? Yeah, and I think Ryan kind of gave us that um, that level of comfort that we're going to see some more Sutton Smith and that uh, perhaps he is not going to be limited and handcuffed to those four games. Yeah, I don't I, – I don't. I'm not so confident anymore that he would be uh, redshirted as I might have once once been, where they were going to keep him to four. If he can come out and continue to to help the running game out, I, I think we might see a little bit more of him. All right, what's your uh, Tigers offensive matchup you're looking for? Did I just steal yours? <laughs> you did, but I had another one planned out just in case. I'm going to go with Caden Priestcorn versus just the middle of the field. I think that, you know, Silverfield talks about body blows. And usually when he referenced that, he, you know, he's talking about just like those little gashing runs, just like the the annoying like five, six, seven yard gain, just boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. I think reference that with Caden Prescorn because they're going to keep trying to target him over the middle and just kind of pinch everyone in just to make sure they take that middle away because the moment you take the middle away, that's when you have Gabe. That's when you have Skates. That's when you have Eddie. Someone just burning down the sideline. And just those extra three, four, five yards that that safety has kind of stepped inward to maybe protect the middle is going to give our receivers the outside edge. So I, I'm going to say that they're going to target Priest Corn right over the middle over and over and over again. So that's uh, that's where I'm going to go there. It's just Priest Corn versus the world. Yeah, I, I just – I almost feel like – this is just a game where offense should be able to do whatever it wants. Definitely. You know, I mean, they're, they're 128th, I think in total defense as it relates to yards given up per game, um, at 503 yards a game, they are giving up almost 37 points a game defensively, 300 through the air, 200 on the ground, um, I just think it's going to be that kind of day where we see 350, 375 from Seth and then hopefully, you know, a 200 day from the running backs. Um, I think this is one where the, the Tigers offense can almost score at will, if you will. Sure. So yeah. looking forward, looking forward to that on Saturday. SMU beat them 48 to 10. And I don't, you know, there's no reason for us to not be able to replicate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's jump into uh, our picks for the game. So give me – I'm going to say first Tutty, but at this point – Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, we got uh, – yeah, well, I mean, who? what are we even talking It's got to be Caden, right? Priest Corn. Yeah. I mean, that's just become a lock. lock. I mean, that's like uh, 
what was that two years ago when we were all about the Devontae Adams first touchdown for the Packers? It hit like <laughs> every game seven out of seven out of ten times, seventy percent hit rate. I mean, I feel like that's you know we'll give it one more week, but uh, I feel like we'd be foolish to both not pick Priestcorn for first study. That's just kind of where we're at. Just to be different, I will take Gabe. Um, just to change it up, but I, it's going to be priest corn. But I'm going to take Gabe. I'm going to change it up too. What the? And I'm. I I mean it'll probably be priest corn, and we should probably put the money on priest corn first study. But just to be different, I'm going to say the first touchdown's a defensive touchdown. One of your two picks is on their first drive, and it's a pick six. It's very likely. And it's your boy Greg Rubin. Well, that's just a callback to your. Uh, your uh, pick I'm the still, first year yeah. <laughs> before the year. Well, it still would count. It would still be our first defensive touchdown. It's fair. I just picked it week one. I'm still riding with it. All right, give me uh, your offensive game ball. My offensive game Prediction. ball. Uh, I'm going to say Gabe Rogers. I saw the way that uh, Rice from SMU was able to torch him. So I think I think Gabe can do the same. I like it. I'm going to go, I know he got it week one. I'm going to go Jay Ducker again. I think we see a heavy dose of Jay. I think he he breaks a 100-yard mark, scores on the ground. I'm going to go Jay offensively. Yeah, I think a lot of people will like to hear that. Um, All right, defense. Ooh. Um, I think we're going to have a good game from... I'm struggling. I'm trying to go not Tyler Murray. I'm going to say Jalen Allen. He's kind of been all over the place lately. I just maybe not getting in the backfield and getting the sacks that we thought he may be able to get kind of rushing off that end, but he is making just a, a ton of tackles. And Ani, the, you know, the one thing that he does mediocrely well is just getting out and kind of scrambling when he needs to. And I think that uh, Allen can kind of help contain that. So I'm going to go with, with Jalen Allen. Okay. I mean I would I would be foolish to pick Greg to have a pick six and then not pick him as defensive game ball. So That's I'd fair. go with uh old Greg for uh if he's gonna have a pick six, he's gonna get game ball. All right, on to the uh score prediction. Like we mentioned, right now the line's eleven and a half, over under is sixty eight and a half. You got a score prediction? I do. I've changed it twice. Um, I'm going to go Tigers 41, North Texas 21. Okay. I will go Tiggs. I'm going to say 45-17 final. 45-17? Yeah. I like that. None of this uh, can't handle another another week where we go down with four minutes left and then still almost cover. I can't handle that again. I just want a good, comfortable Saturday afternoon. I'm probably going to be dehydrated. I'm going to be sweating my backside off. Just give me a comfortable 45-17. Respectable. 
Thinking people are going right, like to so score more were, than mine. You were 41-21, and then I'm 45-17? Yes. All right. Let's jump into this uh, River King IPA. I got to say, this was good. I'm not like the world's big. I know you're a big IPA guy. I'm not the world's biggest IPA guy, but uh, this was a good. I think this is a juicy IPA. Yeah. Yeah. Says it there on the can. A juicy IPA that lives up to its name. The King is a deep straw color and has an intense tropical fruit aroma that leads to a big punch of pineapple, orange, and melon. Rounded off with a smooth mouthfeel and subtle citrus. I'm going to be honest. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get the big punch of pineapple. I didn't get the pineapple punch either. I mean, that's kind of like our uh, our Red Wolves writer that posted on our board about Memphis taking one on the chin. Taking I mean, one right on the chin, huh? I was expecting a big punch of pineapple. I didn't even feel it. It's a swing and a miss. It was good, though. No, I see what he's uh, talking about with the tropicalness. Like, I got that. Like, So it's not just IPA that I like. It's really these juicy, like these hazy IPAs that I like. Mm. You would like juicy. Um, for sure. And I see what they're talking about, and I really like this. This one's really good. And normally Roy- Royally juicy. Royally juicy, of course. Uh, I'm normally not a, the biggest fan of high cotton. Some of the stuff they do is pretty good, but this one I really like. So I'm going to do the can first. Um, Definitely a cool can. I kind of said it earlier. If you kind of like rotate it in light, you kind of get some a little more... Then I think yeah. what meets the eye at first, right? You get some things that are like shining, like especially in like the mm-hmm. high cotton logo. There's like some red in there I didn't see before. Yeah, a little metallic red and gold on the can for sure. That looks good in light. Yep. Yeah, and then they touch on the that random part of Memphis that is like Egyptian based for some strange reason. I, mm-hmm. I get like the Memphis, yeah, Memphis, Egypt thing. I get that, but like pyramid. There's a little pyramid in there. And whatever the hell this skull well, thing is on the back, this thing's badass. Well, the it's pharaoh. a pharaoh, my. It's a pharaoh, just a yeah. Yeah, a beard, yeah. a bearded pharaoh. A, a bearded skeleton pharaoh. Yeah, I mean it's a cool design. Yeah, so I'm, I like that. I'm gonna with you see the you see the cotton on his headdress. I do see that? It kind of plays That's into the name. And it's high on his you head. The, high cotton. You got the pillars. This is a good can. I'm going to go can. I'm going to do it. You're taking too long. This can is a good can. I'm going to say the can is a, uh, this is like a 6.8 can for me. It's mm. a good can. I like it more than that. I was going to say like a 7.6 can. Wow. That's I really a like very, it. That's, a, that's a big can. I like it. There's a lot going on. I like the shininess of it. I think if I were to hand this to my it son, is. he it's, would just play with it's it. It's grown on like, me more. Like I said, I originally looked at the one side of it where it just has the high cotton and it's not, it looks good, but it's just, it's yeah. not, there's not a whole lot of design there, but then you rotate and you get to the skeleton Pharaoh. It's the Pharaoh side. I mean, this is a badass can on that side. My God, how are you going to call it badass and then say it's like a six something? Well, cause not both sides are badass. You only have one side that's badass. Yeah. It's really badass though. It is. I mean, that's a, it's yeah. If you doubled up the sides, if both if both sides, front and back were badass, it'd be a much higher. I six eight's a good score. That's a good score. For the the beverage, this was good. It was a good juicy IPA. I'm gonna go. I'll go seven four on this. This was a good juicy IPA. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I feel like if I put another one in the eight, people are like, "This guy's just crazy." 
Um, I will say a seven, nine. I really like this, but it's also kind of like right down my alley. So I know it's not going to appeal to a lot of people, but at uh, 6.2% and it's got a lot of flavor and it's not like super hoppy. You know, when people think IPA, they think of like straight hops to the face. Well, this kind of eliminates that with that fruity flavor that, that, um, that juiciness we were talking about earlier. So I'm going to go seven. I don't know. That first, my first sip was pretty, uh, pretty hoppy punch to the jaw. Yeah, but you get used to it though. That that fruitiness. Yeah, kind of oh, helps you, out. I got used to it, but initially there was quite the bit of hop. All right. So what'd you say? Seven nine. Seven nine. Pretty good. I like it a lot. Nice. Shout out high high cotton. Shout out to high cotton. Good product. Good product there in the River King IPA. All right, man. Anything else? I think we're done, my guy. So f- for the uh, the stallion and Sherpa TJ, this is Trey. Come for a cold beer, stay for the hot takes. Peace. Thank you for listening to Tigers on Tap. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. If you are interested in content all about the University of Memphis Tiger Athletic Program, hop over to www.gotigers247.com. New articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for VIP.